answer my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are flying high with Locked On Eagles, your daily source for the best Philadelphia Eagles news and analysis. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at Inside the Pylon, Breaking Football and Grandstand Sports Network. Follow me on Twitter at Michael J. Kist. That's K-I-S-T. As always, I am joined by the best co-host in the game, Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solek of Bleeding Green Nation and NDT Scouting. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solek. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben. How you doing, brother? Oh, every day is a good day to be alive, my friend. We got a guest on the pod. You know those are my favorite days. That's right. You're here to join us from Pro Football Focus. We have Eric Eager. Is it Eager? Is that correct? Did I say it right? It is. It's like the word. Absolutely. Yep. And we are eager to talk Philadelphia Eagles football with you today. Eric, real quick, uh, let the people know where they can find your work. Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm uh, at PFF underscore Eric Eager. And that's basically where you can kind of find me on social media. Kind of like every week, uh, a colleague of mine and I, uh, we do basically the, the PFF power rankings. We also do the PFF spread picks. We're a little bit down this week. Uh, we had a rough one, but it was a uh, crazy week. Yeah. I mean, so we going into the week, we were 18, six and one, which is like, I think unsustainable. Wow. And then this week we were zero and five, you know, 18, 11 and one is still, you know, pretty, pretty good in the industry, but gosh, it was a rough day yesterday. We had Kansas city. We had the over on the new England, New York jets game, which we thought was in the bag. Washington kind of showed themselves to be kind of frauds yesterday. So it was, it was a rough one for, for kind of like everybody, but uh, especially us. I like the way you're talking to me as far as Washington goes so far and me and Ben were talking before the show and I said this last week made a it was ugly for a lot of smart people because the people were missing on spread picks over unders all the fantasy people they were missing a bunch everyone told me Kevin Hogan was going to have a breakout week that didn't happen yeah so, <laughs> really really weird week what you do for PFF you're a data analyst right yep so I'm a math professor at the University of Wisconsin lacrosse and I, I joined PFF a couple of years ago uh, because I've always sort of admired the company soon found out that you know there was a lot to be done that hadn't been done so a few of the things is just to kind of do some really like elementary statistics some machine learning some of that kind of stuff on the data to see uh what it can tell us uh in addition just to sort of like you know collecting reams and reams of data which they had been doing for a while so my role is mostly to take the data and try to make sense of it try to build uh statistical tools so that our team clients, our fans, those kinds of things can can put more context to, to the data that we're, that we're giving out. Right. And one thing that we were wondering is when you're looking to make these, these spread picks and these predictions, and we'll get into the power rankings here in a second here because things got shaken up a little bit. Is there specific data that you're really digging into and how would you recommend uh, people use PFF? Because I use PFF Edge and Elite and all that stuff for a lot of the stuff that I do um, when it comes to fantasy and when it comes to betting. How would you suggest people use it and how do you use it? Yeah, so for example, with our with our power rankings, that is very much one of the features we have in our model to do spread picks. So 
you know, we'll take the the data for a game. So the how the quarterback the quarterback's passing grade, the running grades for all the runners, the receiving grades for all the guys that catch passes, the blocking grades. And we run that through a, a system that spits out what the score of the game should have been based upon, you know, like how the teams played. And so most of the time, it's kind of exactly what you'd think. Um, you know, you guys on Thursday night, the, the Carolina Panthers played like crap. The Eagles played pretty well, especially up front defensively. The game, you know, I, I haven't run the numbers for this week, but I'm assuming the score would be very much uh, like it ended up, maybe a little bit even more in, in the Eagles' favor. And so you kind of use that. We kind of think of what the real score of the game should be. We put it through this ELO system, which has been around for a while, and it kind of spits out a, a power metric for a team. That's one of the things we use. A few of the other things that we use are like, you know, we try to adjust our grades for opponents. So currently right now, like our grades are just how did how did a guy play independent of the team that he played against. Mm-hmm. Um, but but from a predictive standpoint, it does really matter like whether or not, you know, so, for example, Carson Wentz a season ago, you know, he played really well. Uh, against, I believe, Cleveland and then Chicago, right? And then everybody's like, well, Carson Wentz is the top-rated passer on PFF over two weeks. And it's obviously you go back and look in hindsight and say, well, it's probably because Cleveland and Chicago stink, right? And, of course, he had a really good game against Pittsburgh, too. So, you know, there's there's some muddiness there. Um, so we do that. Our grades currently on the website do not do that because we think – you know, in terms of presenting it to the public, it's easier just to do it that way. But yeah, I would say, you know, have a have a consistent power metric that you have. Um, and then one of the things that we make sure that we do, because we, you know, it's not right to, it's not good to pick every game, especially in public, like make sure that you can add contextual things to things, right? So for example, you know, uh, Los Angeles flies out to Jacksonville yesterday and plays Usually that that three hour time frame matters in a in a prediction model, but they played at four o'clock Eastern, which means it was still a noon game basically for them. Mm-hmm. And so you always kind of okay, is that a pick that we're really strong about, or is that just an artifact of the model? So I don't know. I I always think that there's a human element to these things. Math can certainly be the first order uh, approximation to everything, and then you kind of have to go through use your understanding. You know, you guys had Andy Reid, right? We're not mm-hmm. going to put a variable in the model to say hey, it's Andy Reid off a of buy, right? We're just not going to do it. <laughs> but he's fantastic at it, right? So, right. like, you kind of have to. I think if you're thinking about DFS, if you're thinking about fantasy um, in general, and then picking games, whether it's be betting or just straight up, all of the you know the math I think adds a ton of a ton of a, a, a great beginning point, and then of course you have to add your context uh, to that as as things sprinkle in. Speaking of the power rankings. Uh, ben, we talked about it yesterday. You want to fill in Eric on pretty much how we saw that top four there, and any questions you have about his power? Did you see his power rankings that he released? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the most recent rankings you released, Eric, were for Week Six, right? So before the Eagles Panthers game. That's right. Yep. Right. So uh, coming into that game, you know, you had Philadelphia there at six. And the Panthers there at four, obviously. Uh, I believe Atlanta was up there as well. You know, New England Patriots were up there in kind of your top five. And we were talking about it on yesterday's show saying, right now it feels like just, you know, from a heuristic standpoint, our power rankings have Kansas City and Philly one and two. And then it's kind of a big divide. So obviously you haven't done your numbers yet. You haven't seen Monday Night Football yet. But moving from week six to week seven, how do you think those numbers might shake out given Philadelphia's pretty big victory over Carolina? Yep. Uh, And I think one of the things with Carolina that's interesting is last season. So these rankings are always seeded with the previous year's rankings with a little bit of an adjustment. So the interesting thing about the about the Panthers was that 
They were six and ten a season ago, but uh, they had something like seven games where, where that were decided by three or fewer points. I think they lost five of them or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they started the season somewhere around eleven, twelve, and and then they've won. You know, they beat the Patriots. They the, they they got kind of blown out by the New Orleans Saints. But aside from that, they've been somewhat impressive. In fact, like their win against the Buffalo Bills ends up looking better because the Bills are better than we thought. That kind of thing. I have no doubt that the Eagles will surpass them in this week's uh, rate rankings. I think the Falcons will drop a bit. I think the Patriots will kind of stay firm. Although, again, like that's mostly because the teams around them haven't really, you know, there there's not a whole lot of bifurcation in the NFL. Even even Kansas City, you know, played played a pretty poor game yesterday, and we would all, I think, assume that they're sort of the best team in the league right now. But they're certainly with warts, right? So I think the interesting thing about the power rankings this season, and it, it causes a lot of interesting, like, you know, people telling me to quit my job on Twitter and stuff. But like, I think that, I think if you, you could go from like, let's say three to 21 and you could shuffle those names in a, in a, in, you know, relatively random order. Yeah. And I don't think, and I don't think anybody's, you're not going to get fired over it. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. So that that's kind of like really interesting. Whereas last season, by the time we got to like week 13, week 14, it was, you know, New England, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Green Bay, Dallas, right? Like there were teams that were definitively not only the best in the league, but they were like covering their spreads every week too, mm-hmm. no matter how big those numbers were. We're not having that dynamic now. In fact, like all the like underdogs were what, 10, 2, and 1 yesterday or something like that. It was so, insane. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a really, it's a weird league compared to last year for sure. Most definitely. Now you brought up a really cool point, uh, talking about how you kind of ch- uh, plug in these numbers to to get your your uh, wins and your losses, your picks against the spread. And I kind of have a a question off of that, where you were saying, you know, we look at the individual players. How is the quarterback? How are the running backs? You know, how do they run the football? How do the wide receivers catch the football? So on and so forth. I know Pro Football Focus has been producing a lot of uh, different stuff over the years as far as grades on units. Like for example, Philadelphia's offensive line came in. To the Carolina game is the number one ranked unit, the number one ranked offensive line. And so when when you're and I don't know how much insight <laughs> you might have on this, but when you're synthesizing, uh, you know, those unit grades, is that a similar sort of a process where it's each individual player is kind of viewed by himself, or is it viewed as more of just you know one uh, just one apparatus, one unit working together? It depends. Like for for the passing game, we do differentiate between the quarterbacks and the receivers that catch the ball. When we think about like defensively i'm thinking about all the players in coverage at 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 once and then you can kind of if you go through our statistics you can figure this out but like every like one unit of plus minus grading on in the pass coverage is worth almost as much as one for quarterbacks and then i think the next highest is receiving and then everything else is substantially lower that's why for example when we did uh, wins above replacement we did that for like a little article um, a guy like uh, was it Jordan Hicks, the the uh, mm-hmm. good good coverage linebacker for you guys, mm-hmm. had a really high wins above replacement because last season he was such a good coverage linebacker. And coverage is really one of those things, independent of position, that really like correlates really well with wins. Mm-hmm. And so like that's kind of interesting because you look at some other linebackers that maybe are more thumpers against the run. You think of them as better players colloquially. But a guy like Jordan Hicks or, um, you know, a player like, uh, you know, uh, Bobby Wagner or somebody like that who can really cover against the pass is actually pretty valuable. Um, so we think about that both kind of at the player level, but also we kind of aggregate together and say, OK, well, what is a coverage grade worth? And so it's kind of a little bit of both. 
Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings, much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Okay. Yeah, and that's one of the issues I had with uh, Reggie Ragland coming into the NFL. Everybody was touting him as a first-round prospect, but he, he couldn't cover a pillow. Let's, um, right. Still can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't talk with somebody from Pro Football Focus without talking about Carson Wentz. I know you guys are probably sick of Eagles fans getting on your cases about the immediate grades that you guys put out on him. I know those get adjusted after the All-22 comes out. Eric, what is your stance on Carson Wentz? I, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you should be happy with what's going on, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. a season ago, he started out quickly, and then everything faded. I mean, a lot of that had to do with missing the right tackle. They missed the right tackle on, on Thursday night's game, and he played fine, right? That's a good step in the right direction in terms of his development. Um, but last season when they lost Lane Johnson, that was huge, right? Just starting with the Minnesota, you know, the Minnesota game, and like, I mean, he just stopped, he just simply didn't play well. We did a, a big thing in terms of like quarterbacks. Um, we clustered their their performances together, looking at kind of not only their grades. So we always we report to you guys some random number, right? But like, how are those grades composed? Or, or is it a bunch of so you guys used to have Sam Bradford? Is it a bunch of really you know small graded throws, like some bunch of zeros, a bunch of expected throws that gets the guy to average? Or is it more like Jameis Winston, where it's a bunch of really good throws and a bunch of really bad throws that gets the guy to average, right? Like those things actually matter. And statistically, in Carson Wentz's first year, he was very much on the Brad Forty end of dink and dunk, right? Even though he's got a really good arm, he was a dink and dunk guy. He was getting rid of the ball relatively quickly, I think. And he was responsible for a lot of his own sacks and that kind of thing. Like so there were there were some you know issues there as a rookie. Because we found that, you know, if you're going to have a quarterback that's kind of around average, he should be more of the high variance average, the Joe Flacco 2012, mm. uh, the Eli Manning 2011, 2007, than the, the Sam Bradford average where you you just don't have the cards in the deck to put four playoff games together, that kind of thing. Right. You know, so obviously that wasn't good to have Wentz in that bucket, you know, in the first in the first year. We found, however, though, that he is actually, you know, He's he's actually performing at a higher level this season in some of those metrics. Like he his passer rating on deep passes is seventh among thirty two quarterbacks. So that's a one hundred eight point point one. That's even that's that's better than it looks. I think even because Alshon Jeffrey has not been exactly I think the player that you guys Preach. have expected. Preach, have, Eric. Have expected Thank you. so far. So like right because I used to watch. I'm you know I grew up a Vikings fan. I used to watch him against the Vikings, and he was certainly somebody who. You know, he scared the crap out of us, right? And 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 I think he still got that in him. Now Nelson Aguilar's actually played okay, which is something that's that's kind of Shocking. you know unexpected, right? I mean, he's caught twenty of twenty eight targets, and that includes two drops. So you know, that's pretty good. Zach Ertz, I mean, can't block. I mean, I don't <laughs> he I can't I don't I don't know who he's worse than as a as a tight end run blocker, but he's a fantastic receiver. Mm -hmm. So they're they're getting him more involved, especially in the red zone, which has to make you guys happy. Mm. So yeah, Wentz going down the field has been a lot better. 
Um, he's got, you know, four touchdowns on passes over 20 yards this year, just one interception. I mean, that's really cool. Um, and then there's way, I, again, I think that there's some ways that they can improve. You know, when, when talking about on play action, he's just 24th in the league on, in passer rating, even though they're using it. You know, I think they're using it seventh most mm-hmm. because LeGarrette Blunt's mm-hmm. running the ball so well. So you think like if that regresses kind of the mean where he starts to perform even league average on play action, I think the offense can kind of go through the roof a little bit. Um, and he's holding onto the ball a little longer, which I think exudes a bit more confidence. So he's eighth slowest getting rid of the ball, which slow, you know, slow is kind of a bad verb, but like, you know, he can, or adjective, but he's like, you know, he's, he's standing in the pocket, I think a little bit more confidently. He's accounting for fewer of his own pressures, which again is a good thing. Mm. So I think everything's trending in the right direction for him. And that's good because I think as a rookie, you could have come out of last year thinking, okay, what is the ceiling on this guy? Do we have somebody who can kind of, even if he's not elite, could he do what Matt Ryan did last year, which is kind of, you know, two Sigma his way into being a, a MVP quarterback. I think that's certainly possible with Wentz, especially given his arm talent. And those kinds of things. So let me ask you this then, Eric. Uh, it's a common question. A lot of uh, a lot of articles are written about it. A lot of debates about it. But you hear very often that it's kind of NFL executives and decision makers are enamored with Wentz. They love him. And when you pose them this question of who's that one young quarterback, if you you know you could pick one in the league to build around whom to build your franchise, a lot of them go for Wentz's name. And of course, you've got you know you have Dak is in the conversation. Jared Goff is there, and you've got guys a little bit older as well with Winston, Mariota, with Bridge water and so on and so forth and so looking from a pff's perspective who kind of gets that moniker for you who gets that young quarterback that you'd want to build around and then if that's not Wentz, where does he kind of fall in that uh in that in that construct for you guys yeah and i mean you guys are eagles fans so you're probably like hearing that i think dak has kind of lowered the the opinion of him this season just because they've put a little bit more on his plate and and i think you know, that offense has been less efficient. Goff has increased, I think, in everybody's mind uh, based upon how, how he's played. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, are if you're going to throw the guys like Luck and Wilson kind of already in their second contract out of there, I mean, for me, and he got hurt yesterday, but I still, I still like the way that Jameis Winston constructs himself in terms of the distribution of, of his throws. So I okay. So the question becomes if you have a Bree, if you have a Breeze Brady Rogers, let's say Wilson, let's throw him in there. He's a little bit more variable. If you have one of those guys, obviously you take him. If you're looking at none of those guys, I think that are younger, right? 20, 2015 draft position or, or younger. None of those guys really strike me as that player yet. So if you're going to be in that second tier of quarterbacks, I want a guy who is capable of stringing just a perfect game together, right? And some guys just simply don't have the cards in their deck. So I don't I don't necessarily know um, if Teddy Bridgewater has those cards in his deck. I know that he can I know that he can carry a team that's good around him. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen that already. And and I know that like Jameis Winston can completely lose you a game, right? But right, right. but if the, but if if we're in this sort of like Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last, uh, I want a guy like Jameis Winston who's who can string together some brilliant throws, put you put you in a position to win four straight games against the best quarterbacks in the league. Currently, right now, it's Jameis Winston for me. And then from there, I do like Wentz as, as a player who, you know, so far has shown that he's not only going to be good at times, he's going to improve. And, and he's improving in some of the ways that I think matter, which are, you know, going down the field, making, you know, game-changing plays, those kinds of things. That's, you know, to me... 
uh, a huge part of, of the development is is having that confidence to sit in the pocket and throw the ball downfield. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good company to be in. And I like Jameis. Um, I'm, a, I'm probably bigger on Mariota uh, as far as that goes. Obviously, Wentz is up there for me. Eric, I want to help Pro Football Focus and the Philadelphia Eagles bridge the gap a little bit. So can I get a fly, Eagles, fly from you? Give it to me one time. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yes. He is Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Eric, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Absolutely, man. Have a good one. All right. Ben, what, what do we have going on tomorrow? We got the crossover with Zach Kicks from Lockdown Redskins. Is that correct? Yes, sir. It's Zach Kicks on the crossover Thursday and Friday. We might be pulling on a couple more guests. We've got some All-22 to go through, but we're just chilling for the rest of the week, previewing on Monday. Keep it locked on here on Locked On Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly.